Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Can't really explain it, but I love these horrible films. If you've made a horror movie on your phone or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix twin brothers, the dumbest victims in horror movie history, and a holiday? Why you get the film Blood Rage. and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, We're back to doing things as normal. I hope you guys enjoyed the last little episode that we did. Uh, And, you know, what a better thing to bring us back into the whole normal podcast thing uh, than a holiday. And what holiday is better for you to find horror movies based around it than, well, anything really but Thanksgiving, to be honest with you. Unless it's a Thanksgiving or a Thanksgiving 3, there isn't a whole else out there that is centered around or has some type of tie-in with Thanksgiving. It's funny because I went looking on Google and I was like, oh, Thanksgiving horror movies. And thinking, you know, there might be some other dumb ones like, well, like Thanksgiving, uh, available. And surprisingly, there's not a whole lot of other films. I mean, there's a film called Christy, uh, another one called Home Sweet Home, Intensity. There's an alien abduction movie that has a really long title, but it's like Alien Duction something, Lake County something something. Um... And uh, then there's Blood Rage. And so, after looking at everything, I decided, well, let's do Blood Rage this year. And I can bank some of those other ones for some other Thanksgivings, uh, depending on, you know, how I feel that year. Or maybe we're just going to forget the theme altogether. But when you really look at it, I'm surprised there aren't more like movies based around Thanksgiving. I mean, all the family comes together, and there's all this loving, and there can always be some type of supernatural killer or serial killer that comes out, or killer turkey that doesn't have a shitty sequel. Uh, anything could fucking happen during Thanksgiving, right? 
I mean, there's probably plenty of stories of, like, pilgrims and Indians. You can do a period piece where, like, the Indians are hunting down people because, you know, you tried to feed them turkey and turkey's their sacred bird and so they put that bad juju on you, you know, whatever you want it to be. I just find it funny that there's, you know, some holidays, well, I guess there's not a whole lot of, like, you know, Valentine's Day holidays, but is that really a holiday when you think about it? Is it really? But there's plenty of Christmas horror movies. Uh, you know, there's way more than enough that are based around Halloween and the theme of fucking Halloween. Um, there's even a 4th of July based movie if you think about it. Um, and there's plenty around fucking St. Paddy's Day. We all know this. I mean, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, is there not a scarier horror movie than that? Listening to Sean Connery fucking sing? Nothing is fucking scarier than that. Well, maybe except for listening to Russell Crowe sing. But who the hell wants to do that? Uh, Anyway, so, of course, this time I chose Blood Rage. And Blood Rage actually goes by a couple different names. Uh, It's also known as Slasher, as well as Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Which is really weird, because I don't know if it really takes place in the woods. I mean, it takes place at, like, an apartment complex. Maybe that's in the woods? I don't know. It's just really weird. But they say that the name was changed uh, to Nightmare at Shadow Woods for other regions, right? It was released as Blood Rage in 87. And it's funny enough that it was also filmed in 1983. Uh, why it took so long for it to get released, really, I couldn't find any information on that. I mean, I looked at the normal outlets, Wikipedia, uh, Google, um, IMDb, and none of them really had any more information than other than it was filmed in A3, but took four years to be released. Maybe it was a little too violent for the time, maybe something had happened around that time, I don't know. If anybody knows, why don't you hit me up on DM on like Twitter or hit me up with the email? Uh, because honestly, I would really like to know why it took so long for the film to actually hit theaters. Well, it's also kind of a weird film, right? And we'll get into a lot of that, of course, as we you know continue our road down the discovery. If you've never seen this before. And honestly, I had never heard of this film before I started searching for the you know, Thanksgiving Day movies that I could watch for this year's podcast. You know, what else is out there? How do we know what types of Thanksgiving murder there is? Uh, and here's Blood Rage. Now, before we really continue in, I do suggest that you watch this film before you listen to the podcast. At the time that I'm recording it, it's available on Amazon Prime. Uh, You know, later on, it probably is not going to be there, and then you're going to listen to this and be like, you said it was, but at the time of recording, it's there, okay? Uh, And it's worth the watch. I think you can also find it on YouTube if you really, really look hard enough. Maybe if you go by Slasher, if you look by Shadow and Nightmare Woods or where the fuck else is called... You should be able to find it, or at least you can find kind of the big things. I know people put compilation kill videos on YouTube, but those aren't fun if you don't really know the context. It's one of those films where, and really one of the films that I've done on this podcast where I really don't have a whole lot of audio, I guess. I mean, compared to some of the other episodes, I mean, nothing's going to match up to something like Halloween or even fucking Van Helsing, where that almost filled up uh, a ton of audio just from that freaking movie alone. But 
you have to see a lot of the nuances from the characters. I mean, you're going to get the stuff here, but there really are some visuals, especially with the Todd Terry character. And I'm not just talking the fact that Todd has, like, nice hair and Terry has all scraggly hair. Really, the way the actor portrays the two characters, it's really interesting in terms of his body language. And you really can't get that through this. Uh, and it's something that I feel really needs to be watched so if you have seen this film before you listen to this great i think you're going to catch on to a lot of what i'm going to say if you haven't uh i know i'm talking about this like it's a fucking work of art which it really isn't but i feel that it's a film that you should watch before you finish listening to this podcast of course it's all up to you and just like i do with other film podcasts that talk about movies i don't always watch the fucking film you're your own fucking person you can go through this you know, I'm going to spoil the whole goddamn thing as it is anyway. And really, there's no big twist, kind of, but you see it coming. And it's really laid out to you. So, like I said, if you really want to pause this right now and go watch the movie and then come on back, uh, it's up to you. I recommend it, but, uh, you know, we'll just continue on from here. So I'll give you a moment if you decide that you wanted to pause. Okay. All right. And we're back. So let's start at the beginning of the film. And we're looking in on like a drive-in. And it's playing some weird movie that is The House That Cried Murder 8? I think that's an 8 on the sign there. And this is in Jacksonville, Florida. Of course this movie takes place in Florida. How? With the themes that are going on in this film, I get it. It's Florida. I'm sorry everybody out there in Florida, but there's a stereotype on you guys for a reason. Okay? So... We see a bunch of kids getting popcorn, uh, getting high, uh, buying condoms from, like, a guy in the bathroom that fucking opens his trench coat and he's got all these different types. Like, what the hell, man? You're supposed to have, like, Rolexes or drugs. But instead, this is the freaky, I guess, 70s. And this is 10 years before the main part of the movie actually starts. And I guess... That's where you went, and during that time, you went to the drive-ins. And kids that are listening to this that don't necessarily know what drive-ins are, those are places that you used to drive to to go watch a movie, but not really watch a movie. And just like they're kind of portraying here, get it on with somebody else. Whether it's making out, or it's sitting in your car, eating a tub of popcorn alone, crying, listening to really crappy speakers that are hanging on inside of your window. You know, it's not like those new Fandango drive-ins nowadays, where they got the damn radio signal you just fucking flip the switch to the right thing and then you can listen to it in your clear audio of your car no we listened through crappy little gray fucking speakers and we fucking liked it you could barely understand what they were saying but god damn it that wasn't the point about going to the drive-thru and honestly this depicts exactly what probably went down in the 70s in those drive-thrus. There's probably some guy, some nerdy-ass guy with glasses that just had condoms, and he knew that jocks and fucking cheerleaders or the hot people, they were all going to get together, and they were just going to fuck. And since he wasn't going to get anything, he was going to make fucking money off of it. So he sold those condoms at a premium fucking price and then fucking ruled the world afterwards. And you know what that guy's name is? Bill fucking Gates, that's right, that's how he got his money, that's how he fucking started Microsoft, he was selling fucking condoms to horny fucking jocks at the drive-in movie theater. Dude, I fucking salute you. Anyway, so... 
there's all this shit going on, and that's where we get to meet the mother of our main um, killer and killer brother. Uh, see, she's there being a slore, and she's trying to get it on. She took her kids to the goddamn drive-in with some dude who's expecting to get some from her. And of course, she's a little apprehensive because the kids are in the back of the car. What is it? The boys. Look, they've been asleep for half an hour now. Don't worry about it. Oh yeah, don't worry about it. You know, just start making out in front of the kids while they're kind of asleep. Because they wake up almost fucking immediately afterwards. And then say, okay, we gotta get out of here. Let's go get out of here. Mom's gonna go be a fucking whore. And really, who brings their kids to a fucking, like... Even if it's just a make-out place. Who brings the two kids with you? And they're twins. Twins, Basil. But not the, that type of twins, Basil. They're male twins, and they're young, and it's just disgusting. You don't want them while mama's getting it on the back seat. And of course, you know, they both notice that she's making out with somebody else, and that kind of triggers one of them. And the one it triggers is Terry. And you can tell the two apart because one's wearing brown and one's wearing blue. This is the only time that you actually see twins in the same shot this isn't some type of like parent trap type thing where you've got you know both of them there at the same time but they're not really twins um it's just weird camera tricks to put them together i believe that these are actually two twin boys so the two boys walk off into the midst of all the people like partying and Maybe watching the movies. I mean, there was one hippie guy that didn't get anything, right? They were panning over all these cars before they went to the mom being a slur. And you see everybody either getting high or making out. And there just happens to be the one girl that drove the car. She's the only one. She's the only one that's in the driver's seat. And when the hippie guy goes over to try to get some, she's just like, fuck you, I'm watching my movie and eating my goddamn popcorn. And that's what you get, hippie guy, because if she's the one wearing the pants, she determines what you guys are fucking going to do for the night. So they walk up upon some car, and Terry grabs an axe. Randomly, there's like a hatchet in the back of a fucking car, or like a hand axe. Maybe that's more of what it is. And Terry decides he's going to grab it. And then he walks up to a car where there's a guy and a gal just getting it on. And then, you know, he's all being fucking creepy and watching and been like, Ooh, hey, I haven't seen anything like that since my mom fucked a guy in front of me. And the guy tries to get the kid away and Terry takes that hand axe and fucking starts chopping the dude's face with it. And the effect is actually pretty good, especially for 83. This looks great. It's a great practical effect. It actually looks like the axe is going to the guy's face. I wonder if the guy got kind of hurt. I mean, I'm not sure if the speed was anything like that, but it wasn't one of those like, oh, I'm going to swing it really slow and it's going to tap against you. It looked like a pretty decent type of swing uh going into his face it looks really cool and of course this freaks out the girl that's with him because well she's getting covered in his blood blood's going everywhere it's in the goddamn popcorn ah man only thing that should go to 
good on popcorn is butter. You don't put blood on popcorn. Silly Terry. Well, she gets out of the car and she runs, and as she's running away butt naked, you can see Bush in between her legs. Well, it's either that or a shadow. I'd like to think that it was Bush, because if this is the 70s, I'm sure it's halfway down her legs. So, uh, everybody gets all crazy because he was screaming, she was screaming, and that alerts the mother to stop her slower ways for just a little bit. I thought I heard somebody scream. I l- let's get out of here. This is ridiculous. You know, I don't do women who drag their kids around everywhere. Okay, Take me. Oh my god. My boys. My boys are gone. Mommy, 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 mom! 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 Let me go. Mom! Jerry! Jerry, you were right. What happened? Why, Todd? Why? Why did you stand there while your brother slapped your face with his bloody hand and then rubbed his hands all over your arms and you decided to hold on to the hatchet? I get it. Todd was kind of traumatized by the fact that he just saw his brother take a hatchet or a hand axe to some other dude's face, some teenager's face. Or maybe he was just fixated on those fine-ass fucking 70s titties that were right in front of him. Because, damn, she did have a pretty good rack, if I do say so myself. Uh, And that could have traumatized the poor kid because he just wasn't ready for them titties. He just couldn't handle that type of responsibility at that young age. And he's got to be in his, like, early teens. He's probably, like, 12, maybe 13, maybe 14, depending on where they are within the next part of the movie. And honestly, your first set of live tits are something to really be cherished, not something to be ruined by watching your brother put a hatchet in somebody's fucking face. So, I guess I'd say I'd be traumatized too, if I saw that in front of me. Well, of course, the worst thing about this is that Todd, when the people start coming around Todd, and this is a running theme in this movie that I just could not get over, uh, he's wiping his hands on... Terry. Oh, Terry is wiping it on Todd. Sorry. And this is probably going to happen where I confuse Terry and Todd because they're exact same actor and, you know, the only thing that changes between them is the fucking hair. Uh, but so Terry is wiping the blood on Tom on his arms and then the crowd is forming as he's doing it. Now, I think it's supposed to be really as he's finishing up, but the crowd's all there, so they see that he is basically kind of planting this on fucking Terry, but when uh, Slora Mom Maddie shows up, uh, she automatically takes Terry's side, and nobody says anything about it. So we're all supposed to believe that they did not see the end of that to where he was wiping himself down. He's got blood on his hands, too. Like... 
It's not like he magically wiped his hands fucking clean and he's got no fucking blood on his hands. And it's on the kid's face in a hand mark, mind you. A hand fucking mark on his face, yet Terry is the one that did it. Well, again, I fucked that up. Todd is the one that did it, right? So Todd is the one that's blamed where Terry is truly the one that actually killed, but he's believed to be the innocent party in this fucking situation, which makes no sense to me. From here, we progress 10 years into the future, and Todd has been in the mental institution. And Terry's been the free boy, and we see that Maddie, she's come now to visit. And we get this weird scene, and it's only weird for something else that comes on a little later on in the film. And I want to talk about, I'm going to come back to this scene later on, a, a bit of it. Because just with what happens later, this makes no sense the way that it's done. So, uh, when... Maddie shows up, I guess she shows up every year, and she always brings uh, Todd, like, a bit of the holidays or, like, Thanksgiving or whatever it is. So this becomes, like, the first time that the doctor can actually look at the interaction between Terry and his mom in, like, the last ten years. Because I guess she's become the Dr. Lupus of fucking Terry or something like that. And so she kind of goes into uh, this weird voiceover type thing like here just take a listen to the first part i thought that it was important for us to meet today because as you know i've been working with todd the last few months dr berman's patient consultation notes november 22nd 1984 saw maddie simmons todd's mother for the first time today i don't think she was quite prepared for what i told her that after 10 years todd was starting to remember what had happened in the drive-in that night Facing the fact that Todd's memory of the incident cast suspicion on his twin brother, Terry, was not that Terry? easy for her. On Terry? What? Are you crazy? Her position on another issue was also somewhat negative. No! No! No more tests! No more tests! My children are not guinea pigs! My past work with hysterical patients helped me calm her down. Though calmer... Maddie's level of resistance was still quite high. I wondered, how would she react when confronted with Todd himself? How would Todd respond to Maddie in view of his new recollections? I was not without worry. After all, I had never seen the two of them together. Okay, ten years you've been this kid's doctor, and you've never seen his mom and him like interact with each other like ever and this is the very first time that you're ever going to talk to his mom who comes and visits him all the goddamn time secondly you didn't calm down shit because when she like said oh my skills calmed her down like it literally went from i didn't cut like anything out in between there she went from maddie went from yelling and being upset to all of a sudden just being calm by herself there's another theme that runs in this movie and that people are fucking liars Everybody fucking lies in this movie. It doesn't matter if it's something small like this. It's some of the other characters later. They say shit. It's like things are written into this fucking script that are just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you you set something up for something else to happen. Like, you just 
pieced shit together so that, oh, I thought this was going to happen here, so you film these things out of order, and now whatever you say later, this character says, makes them a fucking liar. But in this case, in this one, maybe there was a little extra that they didn't get there where she actually said something, but you can hear them kind of talking in the background, and she doesn't say anything other than Maddie says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it looks like she's calming herself down. You didn't do anything, you fucking quack. <laughs> you just sat there and looked at her like, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And then she was like, oh, you know what? Like, Maddie was a level-headed person. Your fucking time doing whatever you did doesn't help for shit, didn't do shit. It was all fucking slore Maddie's fucking own, like, count to ten breathing or some shit like that. Oh. Okay. Well... Lying fucking doctor. Let's continue. Maddie treated Todd like a child, as if no time had passed since the evening of the murder. Their initial tension was predictable in light of Todd's breakthrough. The trauma of watching his twin commit murder had made Todd catatonic. In that state, he couldn't fight what he now sees as punishment for a crime he did not commit. Maddie persisted in defending Terry and espousing her notion of one big happy family without realizing that such ideas had ceased to have any meaning for Todd. Family, I don't... I don't care about... His world and my work were beginning to crumble. Why was your work beginning to crumble for the fact that he had finally remembered that he didn't do shit and that he's been traumatized for the last fucking 10 years and then doesn't want anything to do with it? Like, his mom doesn't believe it. Again, I'm not going to go back to that, but she did, like, have a crowd of people that saw fucking Terry wiping blood on fucking Todd and nobody said shit. And only Dr. Berman here, Dr. Lying Motherfucking Berman, She's the only one that kind of believes what Todd has to say. It sucks, but that's the case. Because he takes whatever it was, whether it's pumpkin pie, or it looks like it might have been like pecan pie, or, well, it wasn't a cherry pie. Maybe it was pumpkin bread. Mm, Pumpkin bread. That sounds so good. Anyway, anyway. Um... But whatever it was, he just like kind of crushes it all in his hand and he's squeezing it as she's like talking to him. From here, we cut over and we get to meet Terry uh, at his age. And what we see with Todd is we see a guy with really like scraggly hair and he's wearing a horizontal striped t-shirt and everything like that. And then here is, and he kind of looks like he's disheveled a little bit. Like if you saw him on the street, You would think that he's like some type of maybe insane wino, uh, just without the beard. Um, And meanwhile, Terry here, he's got like the perfect life. He's really fucking fit. Uh, He's playing football, I guess some sort of football with these people. Uh, and he's already got, I guess, a girlfriend or somebody he's flirting with out on the team because when they go to get the pass, he starts making out with her, and everybody's like, "Ew, don't make out. It's football, not kiss ball. Where the fuck they say. And then some other fucking lady with her daughter shows up, and it's like, oh, hey, I'm going to flirt with Terry. So Terry's got everything going for him, man. Everything that Todd should have, Terry fucking has. And it really kind of sucks because, well... We'll talk about more about Terry a little later. From here, we find out that the girl and the that daughter that is also like, well, 
she seems like kind of a whore as well. Uh, man, so many whores in this movie. We still haven't. There's at least three, uh, and, and two have just popped up. So you got one more to wait for. Um, they're going to Terry's place for dinner because somehow, I guess, maybe they know the mom. I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention to that because I was just basically looking at the 80s workout outfit that she was running in. And she obviously had no bra and she never has a bra throughout the entire fucking movie. And I don't know if that's a choice of the director or like costuming or something. Just kind of saying, hey, guess what? You know what would fit these characters right? Let's have all the female characters just not wear a bra. Except for Maddie, who wears a push-up bra. At least that's what it seems like. So that way, her old cleavage are constantly in your fucking face the entire time they're doing the freaking Thanksgiving dinner talk that they're gonna talk about in just a second. (laughs) But it's like, seriously though, like every young girl in this movie just does not wear a bra. And I'm not saying that... Uh, I'm totally against it. I just find it really weird that that's just the way it goes. And especially in those scenes where they're wearing like the white t-shirt and you can obviously see the Tommy Brownstones just kind of sticking out of there along with the areola. And I'm not, again, saying it's terrible, but it's not necessarily something that I want to constantly see the entire time I'm watching a movie. I mean, how long can you leave the high beams on before you eventually go fucking blind? So anyway... They, I guess, are going to his dinner, and the girlfriend kind of seems a little jealous since whoever this girl is is flirting with Terry, and Terry seems to be flirting back. We then go on the beginning of the Thanksgiving dinner, and of course, uh, Maddie, she has a surprise that she wants to tell everybody with her boyfriend, Brad, who also happens to be the manager on site for the complex, which makes me wonder why she actually got with Brad. I mean, cheaper rent, especially if you, uh, well, if you do what they're announcing. Before we start, Brad and I have an announcement to make. Come on, you tell them. Well, we're going to tie the knot. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations, Mom. Congratulations. I'm happy for you both. I really am. Thanks. <laughs> I guess the toast is in order. Um, oh, it does. <laughs> here's to the new family. I mean, Terry's obviously not acting really weird right there, is he? I mean, the music doesn't give anything away, does it? <laughs> it's just... It's so, like, fucking cliched what's going on there, especially when Terry basically almost goes in for a full-on makeout-style kiss with his mom. We've got a true, like, another version of Norman Bates going on here. Oh, man. It just, like, the, the first thing that triggered him was the fact that he saw his mom making out with some dude, so he's gotta go kill a random teenager that's fucking somebody instead of killing the dude that his mom's with. But, of course, then that means mom would find out, right? And then here, 
We got B-Rad. He's trying to get his thing on. He's getting married. She's probably getting married for the cheaper rent. Uh, and he's audibly, like, upset. Like, visually and audibly upset. You can totally tell. And everybody just thinks that it's, oh, it's in his, oh, even his girl. How cute. It, is it cute? Because, honestly, this doesn't look cute to me. And, again, it looks like something's gonna fucking happen between them. I mean, is Terry gonna go on another rampage? I don't know. So, we see B-Rad, and he starts getting everything, like, ready in the the table, because there's a phone call that's coming from the kitchen, and Maddie gets some really weird news. Uh, The other thing I want to point out is that Terry is the only one on the table not drinking wine. Everybody else has a glass of wine, but Terry has a glass of milk. And I know he says it later on that he doesn't drink any alcohol, but it's never really explained why. Like, does it make him, like, more anxious or maybe his he can't suppress his dark side as well? Uh, he's been living everything down. He just doesn't want it to stay, you know, or, or get out there. He wants it to stay hidden, I should say. Uh, it's never really explained why he doesn't want to touch alcohol, especially since his mom's, well, maybe that's it because his mom's a fucking drunk. There's plenty of times where she's poured way more than enough wine for herself and she's either stumbling all over the place or she passes the fuck out. So maybe that's what it is. He's grown up with an alcoholic mother and he just doesn't want to do it, but he does love her anyway. And I'm sorry, but she kind of looks like a female William Dafoe. Uh, she is not cute. And I don't know what B-Rad sees in her, but B-Rad is okay. Well, maybe because it's that rack that she's got. Because, no, see, even that looks kind of weird. It looks like two pairs stuck in a fucking bra. It's, cleavage is just weird, okay? And I don't mean to keep pointing out things like the tits and shit of everybody here, but it's like right in your fucking face the entire time, the center of the screen, fucking cleavage, fucking pear cleaves are right there. It's not like a baby's butt. It's like a two fucking pears are just stuck in her fucking bra and her, oh. Uh, well, like I said, Maddie gets some news. And it turns out that Todd has somehow escaped the quote-unquote school or the mental institution. Uh, but Maddie calls it the school. And that Todd, he's going to be on his way. And how he even fucking knows to go wherever they are, which is a place I found out called Shadow Woods. And that's why it's called Nightmare at Shadow Woods. Because the complex that they're at is called Shadow Woods. Okay, I have solved it. But that still doesn't make any sense why they would change the name from Blood Rage. Uh, even that doesn't make much sense. Slasher. Eh, I actually think that's kind of a cool title. I, I probably would have gone with that. But anyway, so she calls Terry into the kitchen to where she tells him exactly what's going down. And of course, Terry, he becomes a fucking dick. That is the school that just called. They can't find what do you mean they can't find Todd? Did he run away? And they think he might come here. Oh, wow. What are we supposed to do? They're out looking for him now. And his doctor is on her way over here. Brad, are you almost done? I want a slice of turkey. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Right. Hurry up. Listen. Let's just pretend that nothing's happened. I just don't want to spoil things. 
I mean, it is Thanksgiving, and everyone's been looking forward to the dinner so much. Anybody else need more turkey? No, I'm pretty good, thanks. For a minute. Very nice. Mm. Everything okay? I bred everybody. Looks like you're going to get a chance to meet the rest of the family. My psychotic brother just escaped. Okay, that's a dick move. Your mom specifically tells you, don't tell anybody that Todd has escaped. Let's just keep everything on the down low. And you're like, oh, guess what, everybody? (laughs) My fucking crazy, uh, insane brother, who really isn't crazy or insane, uh, has escaped. And honestly, it kind of sets you up when you think about it, because you know what's happened in the beginning. It's like, is he he's either worried that it's gonna come out that hey he really was the killer and kind of like that one simpsons episode with hugo and hugo being in the attic um it is he like worried that everybody's gonna learn the truth and he's the one that's gonna have to go in the insane award now or is he gonna use this to his advantage and you know quench that blood rage that's inside of him uh and again blame it all on todd I'll let you guess as we keep going through the rest of the film. So from here, we go into the bedroom and we see Brad trying to comfort Maddie a little bit. But honestly, he's just kind of trying to get his dick wet while she's thinking about what the hell Todd is doing on the loose. Sorry, I can't now. I mean, Terry's in the next room and Todd's out there all alone. I'm just so worried. I mean, what if he comes here? Hey, hey, don't worry. I'll be here. We'll handle it. I'm sorry. I guess I'm just a little nervous, that's all. Maybe if I straighten the place up a little, I'll feel better. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just straighten the place hey, up. Hey, 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 babe. It's okay. I mean, you know, he's probably he's probably hiding in a closet back at school. So relax, okay? Yeah, he's probably just hiding somewhere. He's not really going to do anything. Hell, I don't even think that he killed those people back then. Come on, let's just get fucking down to the point. I really need to get this dick wet, okay, before I go off and do anything. You want that cheaper rent? You want that ring, right? Like, okay, B-Rad probably is not that type of guy, but honestly, he is pressing a little hard to... Uh, basically have sex while she's worried about the fact that her you know supposedly mentally insane son is out there coming to be with the family for the holidays and she thinks that maybe she's gonna you know get whacked by him not whack brad off so we then go it was there's a knock at the front door and that's where we get to see dr berman again and she's with somebody and they're chasing down todd but that person mistakes terry for him hey i got him doc put that gun down it's his twin can't you see you are terry aren't you don't worry about the gun. It's only a tranquilizer gun. Now listen, I'm Dr. Berman. I'm from the Institute. I want to see your mother. Dr. Berman, yes. did you find him? No, I haven't even looked yet. What's that gun? It's okay, Mom. Hey, hey, I'm Brad King. I'm the manager here. Maybe I can be of some help. Yes, would you please help me? Sure. Uh, listen, I'm going to take care of them, and then I'll be down in my office. Now, you stay here, and don't worry. I won't be long. Okay, but just don't be long. Don't be long. Okay. Take care of your mother. 
Now, what really gets me about this scene, and this is partially related to the beginning of the film, uh, well, at least the 10 years later when we first meet Dr. Berman, is that she kind of agrees with Todd, right? She thinks that Terry might actually be. She, that's the only one that kind of believes him, and yet when she runs into Terry, she's just like, oh, hey, you're Terry, right? What? Like, don't shoot him, uh, but hey, you're Terry, right? Like, you're actually the insane killer, that it's not your brother, it's actually you? Oh, you are? Oh, okay, well, you know, I'm here to help your brother catch him and whatever. I'm not gonna do anything to you. It's not like, you know, tranking you and putting you under custody or bringing the cops over to this area. Uh, there's no reason why I really need to do that. Uh, I'm just gonna let you be, and then I'm gonna, you know what? Even better. I'm going to go talk to B-Rad over here and find out how, you know, maybe we can track down Todd. Nice place you got here, Mr. King. Were you around when the Simmons kid first turned into a wacko? Come on, Mom, it's all right. Do the talking. It's all right. Okay, Dr. Bruce, sorry. Sorry, Mr. King. Now, how can I help you? You can tell me where I should start looking. Okay. We got about 10 acres here. Now, if he were on the grounds, he would probably be hiding on one of the back patios. Mm -hmm. And we have a nature walk through the woods right back here. You might want to check that. Do you keep any guards here? No, we never had any trouble before. All right. I'm going to start looking with Jackie. Where will we find you when we're finished? Okay. My office is in room 137, right down there. If you need any help, that's where I'll be. Fine. Thank you. Sure. Jackie, you're going to go down there, and you're going to search all the patios and i'm going to go out into the woods but dr b maybe i ought to go with you you know in case there's a problem jackie i can take care of myself give me the gun and just go now okay you know the last person that said i can take care of myself you know what happened to them especially in this type of movie oh okay i warned you but never fucking say that in a horror movie and so from here, we go back to B-Rad, and we see he's sitting in his office, right? So Jackie's gone on his own, Dr. Berman's gone on her own, and B-Rad, he's hanging out in his office listening to, like, church radio or something. And so he's sitting there, and he pulls out his gun from his drawer just in case he needs to go out and look for Todd. And he gets startled when he hears some rapping at his back screen door, or glass sliding door, I should say. And who is it? Why, it's Terry. And it's weird at this point because Terry is actually kind of dressed exactly like Todd is, right? He's wearing the vertical stripes. So he was wearing kind of like a dress shirt with a really shitty tie, like pop collar and everything like the 80s, and the tie's not really tied on to anything. I mean... I'm just trying to say that he looks like an 80s fucking music video, okay? Like, he would belong in fucking Take On Me uh, in the drawn world as well as the real world, okay? Uh, and so, he now has changed into exactly what Terry has. Fucking khaki pants and a horizontal blue and white striped shirt. Or black and white. I can't really tell what the fucking lighting in this movie. Maybe it's black and white and he's wearing blue and white. Todd wearing blue and white. I don't fucking know. But he's still wearing the exact same fucking shirt. So he comes up to the window and he taps on it. And he doesn't like tap on it like a... 
like that type of knock like that, he has a fucking machete in his hand. And he uses the machete to tap on the fucking glass. And so when he opens the door, which again is just easily accessible, Brad doesn't have to get up into it. I guess Shadow Woods is something of a pleasant place. I mean, they have no guards. So I guess it's kind of like, I don't know, at that time, maybe like white flighty or something like that. Like suburbia, where it's like all nice and nobody does anything to anybody. But this is Florida, so I'm pretty sure there's some meth being cooked in some type of room on this, like, you know, apartment complex or something like that. Because, yeah, Florida. So, he, uh, like I said, Terry knocks on the glass with the machete and brad's just like oh hey what's up uh you know you've got a machete i don't know what you're gonna do with that but i'm pretty sure that everything is okay ah and he fucking cuts off his hand uh how he did not see that coming he's fucking wielding the machete he looks fucking crazy like he looks like he's gonna fucking kill you and you're just like oh hey i'm just drinking my drawer beer like (laughs) It's weird. I, I'm not sure if it was a drawer beer. I think there was a mini fridge in there, but it looked seriously like he opened up the desk and just pulled out a cold beer and started drinking it. Uh, and then that's the hand that gets knocked off. Again, the effect for the time looks pretty good. Uh, the blood squirting from it, pretty good. The the makeup of the uh, missing stump, I mean, it's cut awfully clean. But I can forgive that because this is from 83. And even the hand moving on the ground, the way that they did it was kind of cool. Really close up. Looks like they just put like a tarp over on top of it or some type of like, you know, padding or something. And then a real hand was moving around, but the bottom of it was the severed piece, you know, severed from the wrist. So B-Rad is then killed. And we go back out and we see that Jackie is kind of walking around looking for him. Uh, and he begins speaking like Tally, you know, basically like trying to call Todd out from the shadows with weed. Hey, Todd, want to get high? And he decides, oh, well, you know what? If Todd doesn't want to come with me and get high, I'm just going to go and sit on these benches in somebody's random fucking yard and just start smoking weed. And that's when Terry shows up and Jackie just can't believe how close, even though he's his fucking twin brother, how close Terry actually looks like Todd. Terry, right? It's Terry, right? Yeah. You're, uh, Dr. Berman's friend. Yeah. Damn, you guys look so much alike. It's it's frightening. Hey, I'm really sorry about what happened back at the house. Well, that's all right. Damn, you guys sure look a lot alike. Hey, Dr. Berman told me to relax, so I was relaxing. Hey, you want a hit? Sure. Thanks. You know what else Dr. Berman told me? Mm-mm. What? She told me that Todd never killed anybody. And you know what she also told you? That probably was Terry that killed everybody. And you know what he's doing? He's holding a machete behind his back. He's had the entire time you're talking with him. He's holding it back there. His arm is behind his back, holding a fucking machete. And you know for a fact that it's possible that Terry is the one that did everything, not Todd. And so when he stabs you through it, you're fucking body with the machete stabs you through it no when he stabs you with the fucking machete right through your fucking body 
You should have known that you were going to die. Again. And now Terry's got your weed. Because he was okay with smoking some of it. So you got Terry not only killing you, but stealing your weed, man. How are you going to get high now? You fucking dead. Oh. And Terry at the same time, as he's killing him, he's like, no, uh, he did do it. He did do it. He's got some weird that he can't accept the fact that he's the one that's the bad son and Todd is the one that's actually the good son because maybe Terry had all the loving from Mama but not Todd. I don't know. You can look into like the whole twin thing of who's the dominant twin. You know, they're not the creepy twins. There's dominant and passive twin. He happens to be the dominant one and Todd happens to be the passive one that gets blamed for fucking murder. So we also go to see Dr. B out in the forest. And unfortunately, she gets it from Terry as well. He is so good. Okay. He can stab people right through them without much effort. He can chop off hands without much effort either. And you know what else can do? Chop people in fucking half without much effort. Because you see her, she screams as the camera focuses in on her. And then the next scene you see is Dr. B, poor Dr. B, slit in half with her intestines hanging out on one side. And like her butt like looking at you from the other other I mean not like a naked butt but the butt in the jeans is looking right at you um and again the makeup looks great uh for this film I uh, I am just very impressed overall with the deaths so far uh and the makeup I mean the death of the machete being stabbed through wasn't you know all that special but it still looked kind of cool going through him and the blood coming out the back again I keep saying this, but for 1983, when this movie was filmed, uh, I really liked these practical effects. So he does go back to the house. Uh, and before that, I do want to address that one thing from the beginning at this point. And it has to deal with the death of Dr. Berman. See, in the beginning, we got that really weird voiceover, like she's talking over her notes, right? And I... I felt like, oh, well, is this some type of, again, I said it then too, some like Dr. Loomis type of bullshit that's going on here. And that's her patient and she's really, you know, wanting to stop him or bring him back. And this is like a case study and maybe there's going to be some weird twist where Terry's going to do all the killing and then Todd, he's going to come save the day, but she's not going to think that that's Todd and take Todd back to the insane asylum and Terry gets away with it. Maybe he dies, but he ultimately, you know, gets away with nobody knowing that really it was him killing everybody and not Todd. And I thought, great, well, we're going to have this doctor. She does this voiceover in the beginning. She talks about her case and then, you know, she goes and she fucking dies. She dies about 25 minutes into the movie, maybe a little less than that. But why do that in the beginning? It makes absolutely no sense. You shouldn't have a voiceover when no voiceover should really be, right? You could have just had them fucking talking to each other just like the way they were. It makes me think that it was added like afterwards to get some type of they people didn't understand what was going on in the scene and maybe were confused if that was todd or terry or whoever the fuck it was i don't know but they had that voiceover it just seems like for no apparent reason other than exposition and you know 
bullshit? I don't fucking know. So like I said, Terry goes back to the apartment and, uh, you know, he goes and he showers and he manages to get all the blood off of him really, really quick for some reason. Uh, again, I asked the question to myself, how did he know what Terry was actually wearing? And Terry has showed up at Shadow Woods at this point in the film. And again, I don't know how he got there. Does he have some weird type of like sixth sense of direction or some shit? Like he's part cat and just knows how to get his way home. I I don't get it. But, uh, you know, we see Terry talk to his mom and I hate to tell you, Maddie, but Brad is dead and you're not really going to ever know why. He goes out to hang out with Andrea, who is that girl that came by earlier. And, uh, you know, she greets him at the door. Well, his mom's going to relax for a little bit, but she's still worried about Brad. And that's going to come back to us in a bit. But from here, he goes over to Andrea's place and uh, she greets him. And this is where he explains that he doesn't drink any alcohol because she offers him tomato juice or vodka or vodka and tomato juice as a drink. And he takes tomato juice only. Again, she's wearing some white shirt where you can see everything that's under the white shirt. Uh, and she starts hitting on him really hard, giving him really obvious signs. I mean, I know I'm not very good at picking up signs, but I could pick up these signs from a fucking, like, 20-mile radius. You could just tell because she ain't wearing a bra. She's lifting it up, making sure that you can see the shit that's underneath the bra and getting close and putting her hand in her hair and be like, so what do you want to do? Oh, well, what's your major? Oh, I'm getting a, I'm becoming a psychologist. How about you? I told you, I have a major in partying. What the fuck do you think that means? That means take off your pants, pull out your dick because she wants to get on top of it. Especially the way that she's fucking acting right now. But no, he just wants to watch fucking TV. I don't get it. And she's babysitting. And especially when the people come home that, like, the mom of the baby that comes home with her date, she's just like, oh, hey, what were you two doing? Especially them, like, thinking that they were having sex. But I'm getting ahead of myself here. So while they're watching TV, we cut back over and we see that Todd has ended up back at the same apartment that, you know, Maddie and Terry are currently living in. Uh, he is interrupted as he's trying to find a way to get in by Karen, um, Terry's current girlfriend. And while she's trying to figure out how to get inside Todd's, uh, you know, place, well, Terry's place, I should say. God damn it. See, I'm going to do this all the fucking time. While she's trying to figure out how to get into Terry's place, uh, Todd comes up behind her and kind of creeps her out, but not right away. Oh my gosh! Terry, you scared me to death. Oh, I thought you were hiding from me. Oh. So, um, listen, we didn't get much of a chance to talk at dinner, and, well, you want to talk? Hey, you're high, aren't you? <laughs> you always get real quiet when you're high. Well, look, um, <clears throat> you know, we've both been away at school, and I don't know, we haven't talked to each other, you haven't written me any letters, and I've hardly even seen you since you've gotten back. 
And, I don't know, Terry, I just love you a lot. And, well, I want you to make love to me. You're shocked, huh? <laughs> well, Terry, come on. I wish you'd say something. I'm not Terry. I'm Todd. Um, Terry's brother? Oh, my God. I mean, um, so you're home for the holidays, huh? You seem nice. I've never kissed a girl before. Oh, yeah? Well, um, you really ought to try it sometime. I gotta go. Bye. <laughs> I just love the way that one ends. Um, gotta try some cider. I gotta go. Bye. Uh, <laughs> You know, you could be just really straightforward with him and like, uh, I think you're insane and I need to leave right now, so bye. And then you leave. Uh, <laughs> she runs out. She runs into a couple of her friends who she tells that she ran into Todd and that they have to find Terry. Meanwhile, uh, while Andrea still tries to get with fucking Terry... And he's just as oblivious as ever. Well, not oblivious. I think he's just playing the long con. He doesn't really want to fuck her. He just wants the idea that he could fuck her. That's what I was kind of thinking it might be, but I really don't know. It could just be that Terry's fucked up in the head and that's it. Well, the mom comes home, uh, you know, from being on her date with some random dude and is just like, okay, you kids, first she's like, what did you kids do? And, you know, Andrea's straight up, well, nothing. Uh, she's pissed off that she couldn't get anywhere. And the fact that she wasted all that free time uh, with Terry and Terry didn't try to do shit. Maybe Terry actually is, you know, wants to just be with Karen. Who fucking knows? And and what about Karen, too? Let's talk about that for a second. The fact that, one, she didn't realize that this wasn't Terry and you could easily tell. I mean, Terry has nice, clean, kind of straight hair. And Todd, he's got scraggly fucking bum hair. And you see him and you're like, she thinks he's high. Well, maybe that's why she thinks the hair is all messed up. Maybe because he is high. But he's not. He's Todd. Uh, and automatically she's just like, you know what? We don't really see each other for a while. We don't, you know... We're at school in different places, and I think the best way for us to stay together is just to fuck. I'm going to let you fuck me. Um, well, sorry. You can make love to me, and uh, that's going to make everything okay and get us close together because he's obviously pining after fucking Andrea uh, the way that everything, you know, his eyes and his way his mouth moved and all that stuff, and the way he kept staring at her, and she's just jealous uh, that somebody could be taking her man away, so might as well fuck him, and maybe that'll keep him with her. Um, that's like having a kid when your fucking relationship has fallen together. It's a really good idea. Well, I'm glad that she never actually does, but the fact that she also just kind of like talks his head off with not even like saying anything, not allowing to, and then freaks the fuck out when he finally reveals who he is. Um, so with Andrea and Terry, you know, she's getting paid. She's getting paid a whopping $10 for this babysitting kid, by the way. And the guy's like, mm, I'll take care of it because... I take care of my baby. But she he's like a little wary of the two. And the lady, she doesn't care. Because what she wants to do is get it on. And I have yet to see the goddamn baby. I don't know where the baby is. But 
here's whore number three because she's trying to just fuck this guy with her kid in another room in the house that we don't know where this kid is does this kid really exist is it just a cabbage patch kid that's put on you know in a crib somewhere inside one of the bedrooms and it's got automatic crying power and she believes it's it's like one of those things that you get in high school where you have to take care of the kid and it's trying to teach you because hey you're in the lower end of uh you know your classes and they think that maybe you're going to get pregnant really soon or you're going to get pregnant somebody pregnant i should say really soon and so you have to pretend to take care of a kid oh man uh, that's so ridiculous or maybe you took home ec and that was part of your home ec class i don't fucking know or maybe you were a smart kid but they still thought you were gonna get fucking pregnant at some point and so you need to learn how to take care of a kid or you were gonna get like i said get somebody pregnant um so they leave they actually end up meeting up with karen and her two friends Artie and tall dude that i cannot remember his fucking name so he's just gonna be tall dude for the rest of the time uh, and they let him know that Todd is out there, uh, but that turns Terry a little bit crazy. Hey, what's up? Terry, I just saw your brother and he tried to kiss me. At least he has your taste. Hey, I got a great <laughs> idea. Why don't we have a welcome home party for Terry's crazy brother? All right! <laughs> Not yeah. funny, Greg. Did you see him for real or are you goofing on me? Yes, I saw him for real. Do you think I'm going to kid you about something like that? Hey, where are you going? To find him. Look, you don't understand. He's nuts. That's why they locked him up. <laughs> it's like the rest of your family. <laughs> That's not funny, man. That's hey, not funny. Hey, what's eating you? Chill out. Man, can't you just tell that he's joking around because you're fucking crazy and acting crazy now? So they, you know, they let Terry go off trying to find Todd on his own. And then Andrea comes up with a great idea that, hey, let's go back to my house and party because you know what? I want a little wobbly H action. Uh, and, you know, maybe we can get some Devil's Three-Way going or, you know what? Hey, Karen, you want to come along too? Maybe we can get a foursome uh, going along here. So they all go back to Andrea's house to continue the party. And Terry, he goes off looking for Todd. At least, that's what we think he's doing. From here, we cut back over to Maddie, and we see that she's drinking a lot more. Uh, and she's trying to vacuum the house, and Terry accidentally scares her and lets her know that Todd is running around. She worries that B-Rad might be in trouble and that Todd might be doing something to B-Rad. And Terry says, don't worry about it, I'm going to go out and look for her, and then he leaves. Leaving her to drink more wine and worry about what's going on in the outside world. We then see uh, Todd, and Todd's come across the body of Dr. Berman, and he mourns for her, and he wonders, why are you the only one that believed me, and why wouldn't you just fucking protect yourself and not go out and die? Remember when you said, I can protect myself? Well, guess what? You can't. You got chopped in half. While he's walking uh, away from this, he hears the sounds of a little girl, and decides to cut her off and give her some advice. I've lost my cat. Have you seen it? No. But do you know what? What? Cats have a way of finding their own way home. And I think that you should go home, too. Because there's a bad person out here tonight. Okay? Okay. So go home and lock your door. And don't let anybody in. Not anybody, no matter what they say. Okay. 
So are they comparing Todd to a cat here? Because he's saying cats always know how to find their way home. And that's exactly what he did, right? Like, he actually figured out how to get back home on himself. So has his mom and Terry always lived here and this is where they've been? And that's how he knows his way back? Or is something else going on? I mean, that would kind of suck if they've always lived there and, you know, I guess they would have shared beds or whatever. Uh, this could have been like a Charlie and Chocolate Factory situation where one's ja- Grandpa Joe and one's the other grandpa that nobody ever fucking knows. Um, and, and, but there's also no grandmas. They're just sharing the same bed, sleeping foot to foot. Uh, anyway, so he continues on his journey. And, and that scene right there is going to be an important thing for later on in the movie. Uh, at one of the funnier parts that, that happened later on. We go back over to Andrea's place now, and they're all kind of hanging out. The boys are playing some... It's not a Nintendo game, I'll tell you that. I think it's an Atari game, but they don't really look like they're doing anything special with the controllers. I have no idea what the fuck they're actually playing. And so Andrea, she decides to teach Karen how to actually shoot tequila. And, you know, she does the whole thing. You get the tequila, you dip your, you know, you lick your hand, dip it in salt or sprinkle salt on top of it. And then she's like, you shoot the tequila, you lick the soft, and then you bite the lemon. Lemon? Who the fuck uses a lemon with tequila? It's a lime. You use a goddamn lime. You don't use a fucking lemon. And anybody that uses a fucking lemon is a fucking blasphemer, okay? Use a fucking lime. Every time you shoot tequila, that's salt, tequila, lime. That's the way it goes. Everybody fucking knows it. Stop trying to change the game fucking blood rage. You and your fucking lemon bullshit. You don't really know how to fucking shoot tequila. That's right. Limes. You always use fucking limes. Anyway, so she's teaching her how to do that. And of course, she's really horny, just like the slower that she is. Uh, and so the tall guy, who his name is Greg, I'm glad I remembered. Uh, he's like, oh, I'm totally into that. And Karen's like, all right, Artie, I'll totally play video games with you instead while they go a fuck in the back room or do whatever the fuck they're doing. Oh, and by the way, the game that they're playing, that is some type of single-player bullshit. That ain't a multiplayer game. And then it turns out that I guess they kind of say it right, because she's like, oh, as soon as you crash, then I'll try to beat your score. That's not a two-player game. That's not playing with somebody. That's playing against somebody. Again, come on, writers. Get it fucking right. But before we move on, I realized that I forgot to talk about something, and that's something that Karen says while she's talking to Andrea. Here, listen to this and see if you can tell what my reaction to this was. Tell me what happened tonight with Terry's brother. Did you kiss him or what? No way. I felt like a real jerk, too. At first, I thought it was Terry, but he seemed strange. Then he came out of the shadow, and I realized it was his brother. And he had this really weird look on his face. And then he told me he's never kissed a girl before. Oh, how creepy. (laughs) Karen, you are a fucking liar. Because you thought that he was Terry the entire fucking time until he told you he was Todd. Then he told you... I've never kissed a girl before. He didn't try to fucking kiss you. You said, well, you should try it sometime. Gotta go. Bye. You're a fucking liar. Just like everybody else in this goddamn film. It is 
so fucking ridiculous that this is done like that. I know this is nitpicking, but this really gets me when it comes to like the writing for this film that here she is. She's talking about, oh yeah, he tried to kiss me, uh, but he didn't try anything. He The weird thing that he did, and I will get you, is he grabbed your hair, but you thought automatically it was Terry, and it wasn't Terry. It was fucking Todd. And, uh it just gets me that everybody's a fucking liar in this movie. We go back over to the mom, and she's with Bill. And Bill is, uh, you know, they're talking about the liquor that they got. And then they sit on the couch, and she's totally like, oh, you know, I can help you with that. And she's so into this guy that looks like a reject from, like, well, he looks like Rowan Atkinson's cousin, okay? And if you don't know who that is, that's Mr. Bean. Okay, it's also Blackadder as well, if you want to go there instead. Uh, But he looks like he's the rejected version of Rowan Atkinson, okay? Rowan Atkinson looks much, much more beautiful than this guy here. Uh, And so, she's totally hitting on him hard, and she's just like, you know, he's like, oh, they have it on the label that, you know, these are for adults only. Who would you give to hit? And she's like, I got something else that's for adults only. And he's like, oh, 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 oh does that mean I'm going to get laid? Oh, yeah. And so uh, she's like, let me slip into something. I know this is really fucking sexy, right? Let me slip into something a little more comfortable. And I hate that fucking line. That is the fucking cheesiest thing. And then she's doing the cheesiest thing there is, too. Let me go get in the fucking lingerie. You know what men really want? Okay, they don't want lingerie. I don't want lingerie, okay? Just fucking take the clothes off. Show me everything. Get me going. And then let's just get down to it. Yes, foreplay, it totally matters. But what you're wearing... I don't give a shit. Or wear some of that stuff underneath your regular clothes so you just take everything off. You know what would have been so much hotter to him instead of him waiting for you to go back into your room, make sure that your kid's okay, tell him that you're trying to get a daddy, and then coming back out and figuring that he's been killed by tyranny's severed head is, oh, shit. Uh, Bill just got his head dropped out in front of the door. Uh, there's a lot that would be better than that, but I think that it would have been better if she had just taken off her clothes and screwed them right there. Uh, that way that she wouldn't the one be getting head. Uh, instead, Bill would have been the one getting it. Uh, but I guess this is the only way he's going to be able to get ahead in life. Um, he'll never be the head of the table. Well, maybe he is the head of the class now, though. Is that enough head jokes? I never know, because, you know, they're dumb. So this lady, she leaves, uh, you know, frightened, goes back, and she runs into Terry, and the screen focuses, well, it changes over to the next scene. And we see Todd, he's in Terry's room at this point, because he's managed to break inside their place, and he's looking at all the things that he could have had, all the trophies that Terry had, all the, the baseball glove, everything that's there, and then he notices that his mom is passed out in the hallway, and he picks her up, just like the good kid that he is, and uh, takes her to bed. And before he leaves, before, well, not really tucking her in, but just kind of placing her in her robes on the bed, she mistakens poor Todd for Terry. Too much wine, I think. Yes. Do they find Todd? 
No, not yet. So Todd leaves and goes to try to find Terry once again. We cut back over to Artie and Karen still playing the game. They realize, oh, you know what? We haven't really heard anything from Greg and Andrea for a while. So let's go check up on them. They go into the bedroom and it looks like she's dead on the bed, but she's obviously moving. Uh, and then they get kind of freaked out and it turns out that both her and Greg just put on makeup to pretend like Todd had killed them both. And of course they freak out, but they get up and they scare them and they get all pissed off and like, no, we're going to leave. Karen decides to leave. Artie's like, we're going to go to whatever his name is party. Michael's party, I think. And you guys want to come? And they're like, no, we don't want to come. We're going to go play tennis. Tennis? Is that foreplay in 1984? Like, hey, baby, let's uh, let's go knock some balls around with my tennis racket. <laughs> yeah, see, that wouldn't really work on anybody. I, I just don't get it. Uh, so they go off and play tennis, and then we cut over from here over to Maddie, and she's on the phone because she's been trying to reach brad and instead of just going over to the goddamn apartment and i get it maybe she's a little worried that todd might be out there and todd is after her but instead of going over there and making sure that brad's okay she's been trying to call him and she considers this a real emergency when she talks to the operators and can't get in touch with him working order that number is in working order Oh, no, 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 that's impossible. It's impossible. You must have dialed the wrong number. No, he's definitely there. Could you please just recheck that number for me? Because this is a real emergency. Why not? Look. Look, look. Look. You don't seem to understand. This is a real emergency. This is a real emergency. I mean, he is definitely there. He is waiting for my call right now. He is sitting there and waiting for my call. This is very important. Operator, I am begging you. This is a real, real emergency. What's the matter with you? What's the matter with her? What's the matter with you? Why won't you call the fucking cops? Has nobody in this movie called the fucking police at all? No. Everybody's just, oh, well, I guess everything's just kind of okay. I mean, killer fucking insane brother is out and loose. Oh, don't worry. Terry will take care of it. Uh, Meanwhile, people are getting killed left and right. The doctor doesn't even bother to, like, bring the police with her because maybe she thinks that she can calm them down and handle it on her own. But when you're trying to call your love of your life, your fiancé, boyfriend, whatever... Why aren't you calling the fucking cops? And why don't you just tell them, hey, guess what? This is a real emergency. You need to get the cops out here. I cannot get in touch with B-Rad because B-Rad is radical and he's my man. And I just need somebody to come and check on him because I'm afraid to leave the house. 
That's it. That's all you've got to say. And you know what? That probably solves half the murders that are left in this movie. Maybe not even half. It probably solves the rest of them. Okay, maybe there's one person that wouldn't die that does die. But, you know, at least then you have closure and you make sure that everything's okay. And you don't have to worry about it. You can find out what's happened to be rad Because I don't want to be the one to tell you that he is fucking dead. You know... His head was split open by a machete, and he lost an arm. Um, and, you know, I really don't want a scene where you're going to run in on him and you're going to see him dead. It's not my type of thing. Just call the cops, please. So we go back over from here, and we watch them play tennis. Like, we literally watch them play tennis for, like, a minute. And then, of course, uh, they he lops the ball too far. She runs to get it. We also see that Terry is watching them play tennis. And then he wants to have sex on the tennis court. And, of course, she thinks of a better place. And uh, we then, from there, we cut back over to Maddie. And she's still talking to the operator. Oh, great. That's a great idea. That's great. Oh, operator, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yes, I'll wait. I'll wait. Hello? Ah, well, the problem is that um, my son just escaped from his school. Well, actually, he ran away. Actually, it's a mental institution. He ran away from his mental institution. Now, um, well, uh, well, now, I was there earlier today to bring him his pie. Uh, I always bring him an individual piece of pie with a, a, a white plastic fork and a napkin. And I put it in a little box with string. What? What number do I want? Get me my boyfriend. No, please get me my boyfriend. Okay, again, just tell them to bring the cops. Don't do anything else. And it kind of seems like she's having a little bit of a change of heart. I mean, she talks nice about Todd here for a little bit and you can tell that there's some type of worry and she actually admits the truth because she really hasn't admitted the truth to anybody until this point and she keeps saying school 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 and eventually now she's telling an operator that it's an insane asylum uh mental institution whatever the fuck you want to call it it's weird I, I mean I like the scene this is probably one of the better acted scene but it's hard because she sounds like she's a 10-pack of cigarettes a day type of smoker. Uh, it, it's just like, I, I don't know. Like, I want to empathize with her very much. Because she's worried about her man because of Todd. She's worried about, well, she's not really worried about Terry, right? Because Terry's out there doing whatever he's doing. But she's not even, she's worried about getting to be rad. Get to be rad. Get to be rad. Um you know, she totally ignores what's going on with her son. And that's kind of what 
happens something that we have to talk about when the movie's over when you see how the ending of the film is uh so from here we then cut back over and we see that oh well greg and andrea are having sex on the diving board by the pool because hey when you have a scene like that where do you want to go you want to go over to two people fucking uh and you get man buns uh as well as boobs there and Terry comes in and the ultimate cock blocking kills poor Greg while he's in mid coitus with uh, Andrea. Well, you know, pulls him off first. So he gets stabbed and thrown into the pool. And then Andrea gets killed uh, and left there. After they've been killed, we go back over and we see that Artie and Karen are talking uh, as they're walking to this party where Karen is really worried about kind of what's going on with Terry. And Artie is too, as well. But Karen reassures Artie that everything's okay by putting him directly into the friend zone, asking him, can you please talk to Terry for me? Find out what's going on. I mean, I wanted to offer myself to him and let him do whatever nasty things that he wants, but he just seems so distant at the same time. I know it seems like you're totally into me because you're going to start talking about, ooh, I have a dark side too, but really, I'm not interested. You're like a big brother, the best friend that I ever had scene and you know what you know that one song by kenny longins highway to the friend zone that's where you're gonna be uh you know friend zone admit one here's a one-way ticket to the friend zone that's where you are that's where you're gonna fucking stay and of course he's like oh yeah you can count on me and uh while they're talking about it terry actually grabs karen by the leg scares the crap out of both of them and then, you know, tells Karen, oh, well, you you know, I'm just playing around with you guys. It's time. And why is it okay for Terry to do that? Andrea and Greg pretend that they've been killed by somebody. And they get all hell pissed. And we're going to go to the party without you guys. We're going to leave you alone. But Terry doesn't. She's like, oh, Terry, it's just funny. You can do what you want. I'm still going to give myself to you. And so they send Artie away so that he and Karen can go back to his place. Uh, and then Artie goes back into his car. Looks like he's either going to go leave or something. Maybe get help. Maybe not. Uh, but he's interrupted in his getaway by somebody in the back seat. Hey, who are you? What are you doing in my car? You're a friend of Terry's, right? Oh, my God. You're Terry's crazy brother. No, it's Terry who's crazy. He's killing people. Yeah, right. So this is all kind of weirdly intercut in between scenes of uh, Karen and Terry kind of getting it on. Um, it's weird. And, and you have this whole kind of, it's actually kind of neat. This is one of the scenes in the way they build some tension that I do really like in this film. You see, he's on the couch with her and slowly but surely he's pulling off the, uh, you know, cushions of the couch. Like they're really going to get on. But at the same time, like I'm wondering which one has the machete, you know, he's going to eventually pull the one off and he's going to have the knife and he's going to just stab the shit out of her. And that's the end of Karen. But of course she's probably one of the final girls of the movie. So she can't die right now. 
in fact, ultimately, Terry is kind of cock-blocked by Artie and, well, really, Todd, because Todd is kind of forcing Artie to be there. Artie knocks on the door, Terry comes out, and Todd tries to face Terry off with the gun that he took from Dr. B when he found her body. But he's too much of a chicken shit to pull the trigger on his brother, and he instead runs away. Terry and Artie then chase after him, leaving Karen behind uh, with, you know, a wet vagina and nothing else. And they come across on this bridge all these tools of, like, killing. It looks like a grilling kit, honestly. There's a, a fork, a machete, all these other things. And Artie's like, what the hell is this stuff? And uh, <laughs> Terry's just like, well... They must be his killing instruments. And he picks up the fork and he stabs poor Artie right in the neck when he's not looking. Uh, and then uh, this is a phrase that that happened early in the movie that I didn't talk about because I have the clip now. But he has this weird obsession with the blood. And whenever he, like a couple times in the movie, when he sees the blood that's on it, he goes, well, here, listen what he says. Not cranberry sauce, Artie. It's not cranberry sauce. Harry? Hey, Artie, where are you guys? (gasps) Terry, what happened? Are you all right? Sure, I'm all right. What is that thing in your hand? It's Todd's. He's gone totally out of his mind. He's killing people all over the complex. Come on, we've got to stop. No, let's, let's just go to your house and call the police. Call the police? Yes, this thing has gotten totally out of hand. You're right, it has gotten totally out of hand. That's what we'll do, we'll call the police. They'll know what to do, they'll figure it out. Karen? I love you. Did you hear me? I said I love you. Yes, that's right. I know that was a long clip to talk about the first part of that, but he tastes the blood and he says, that's not cranberry sauce. Then... We have Karen here finally being like the smartest person in the goddamn movie by saying, hey, let's call the police. What an awesome fucking idea. Let's call the fucking cops because you know what? This shit has gone on for way too long. But she also doesn't know of all the people that Terry has killed. And the only person that actually knows it is Terry and possibly Todd, because Todd knows exactly what he's done before in the past. And again, now Todd's coming around. His killing nature has somehow popped back up. Or has Terry been killing people all this time, and we just don't know about it? And if he has, has been, like, Maddie, has she totally, like, been hiding the fact that Todd's the one that's been killing people like does she know I don't know if she knows at least at this point in the film I wasn't sure whether or not she did but it's something still to think about right does she actually know if Terry is really the killer and she's just all pushed it on Todd and just like Todd can't accept the fact that he's actually doing the things that he's doing, she can't affect the or accept the fact, not affect the fact, but accept the fact that Todd is actually the innocent one and Terry is the one that's really not. Uh, but now she just needs to live with the lie. I don't know because even here when he has such this like carefree attitude and i'm talking about terry here 
And he just seems like he's happy while he's doing this. He's just like, hey, you know, let's totally go to, yeah, let's call the cops. We'll be cool. And, and then he says, I love you when he swings the damn sword, like, machete at her. And even then, she she's smart about calling the police for that second. But she's just like, oh, what's that? You're covered in blood. And that thing is covered in blood. And, oh, it's Todd's? Oh, okay. It's totally Todd's. Even though you're completely covered in blood and it's fresh. So, what the fuck? Uh, but she does run away, and then it becomes kind of a game of cat and mouse. He's basically chasing her all over the complex, trying to get at her, and then we get the callback from earlier in the film. Hello? Is anybody there? Who is it? Oh, um, I'm Karen Reed, and I'm a friend of your neighbor's, and I need help. I can't let you in. Oh, but you don't understand. I, I, I'm just little kid she's fucking like screaming her lungs out she's gonna fucking die and you're gonna let her die because todd told you don't let anybody in tonight and it's not about killing your fucking kitty it's about fucking killing you and other people fucking getting killed out there too but i commend you in something because you did actually listen to what a stranger fucking told you and you're not letting anybody in and that's actually a good thing with terry going around because who knows he's gonna fucking kill well karen's still running trying to find places and eventually she gets in that slur of a mom's apartment uh and then she realizes that there's a kid in there she realizes that uh he is actually in there with yet another machete i guess he well you see that the mom actually did get killed by being stabbed by the machete and he pulls it out on her and then she goes to run and hide uh and tries to call somebody to you know well i guess try to call the police from the house and she's able to like fucking hide from terry it makes no goddamn sense like she he sees her he knows that she's there and she just runs instead of running out of the apartment she runs to the back room where the baby is he tries to approach her he says some stupid things and then she whacks him right in the nards with the goddamn telephone i mean that sucks nobody wants to get hit in the nards with anything even if you're a serial killer you know you maybe could have just knocked him over the head because obviously we're kind of hiding but you weren't really hiding and so she grabs the baby and then runs. Be- meanwhile, we go back over to the mom and she has found the bloody shirt of Terry, the one that he used when he killed Dr. B, B-Rad, and Jackie. And she starts freaking out and that's when she finally leaves the apartment to go over to um, B-Rad's uh, offices. And, you know, when she finally shows up, she explains to B-Rad, who is now slumped on the table. Well, he kind of looks like he's resting his, uh, you know, arms against it, against his face, and he's just kind of sleeping there. Uh, And she finds out the ultimate fate of B-Rad. I kept a little bit of the ending because I think it's important to hear what's going on the radio, at least up to that point. It goes on a little longer, but it was more like preachy stuff because 
the like Elv- I can never say it right, but evangelical like channel that B Rad was listening to, or that Terry set, we don't really know. Um, for what was going on here, it makes sense in terms of Terry, and I'll let you see if you can kind of uh, point out that connection. I'm calling you, I'm calling you, why don't you answer the phone? Dodd's here, and they're killing again. And all other forms of You may even fool your mother, but in the end you will answer to the Lord and only the Lord. So that's the part that I really wanted to hear at the end. There's two things that are going on here. First, she's pounding on the goddamn glass, and he's not answering. And she's acting like she doesn't know how to get in. And then, of course, it's all unlocked. She's easy to slide. Now, the moment she walks in, she should see blood fucking everywhere. There's already blood on the walls. But remember, B-Rad got his arm fucking hacked while his wrist hacked off. And so there should be a hand somewhere on the floor. And the blood that squirted from his wrist should be all over the goddamn place. Especially when he took the the machete. The machete. That's what I was about to fucking say. That's right. He took a fucking uh, Danny Trujillo to the fucking head. And it split him right open because when she does finally touch him and move him, his head slams down again in another great practical effect. You see his head like split open and you see the two brains on the side. The makeup and everything looks pretty good for 1983. Uh, But she should have known already that she was dead and she's so surprised when that happens uh, that... She's just kind of like in shock. I mean, I guess you'd be in shock too if you saw the fiance that you're going to have uh, with his head split open and his hand missing. I, I get that. But still, you should have known that something was going on the moment that you walked up to there. And then the other thing is, is what the radio show was talking about and saying at that one point, you can fool your mother, but ultimately it's going to be God's going to be the one that judges you. And that specifically pointed at Terry and what could be his ultimate fate. We go back and we see that Terry is... uh, Oh, the other thing I want to get to, already she thinks that it's Todd. But Todd hasn't been home and she found a shirt inside of her garbage that was completely covered in blood. And the only person that had access to that house would have been Terry. So why aren't you putting two and two together that, hey... Terry, maybe he's the one that actually did it, and here you're talking about Todd still being the one that's killing everybody and that he's killing again. You automatically think that he's been at your place, but he hasn't. Unless, of course, she when she saw him and saw Todd at that point and thought, hey, that's what Terry was wearing, and now Terry's been killed by Todd. Um, I don't get it. I don't know what's going on, but... It makes, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, even at the end of the film, uh, where we have the final confrontation, as some would say. So, we see then uh, that Terry, she keeps, um, well, she, (laughs) he keeps chasing after Karen, and Karen is now carrying the baby, and she locks herself inside of the pool area where uh, Andrea and Greg were fucking on the, the diving board and then ultimately killed. Uh, there was also a lot of blood in the water, but I guess chlorine works wonders because the blood is completely gone, even though it was spreading out everywhere and you would think it would still be there because there really hasn't been a whole lot of time that has passed in between when Terry killed them 
and now Karen is showing up at the pool. She locks one door, but of course, there's multiple ways to get into this goddamn pool area, and Terry starts chasing her down. She grabs the baby, and she goes into the bathroom. Now, she goes and hides the baby, and she hides the baby extremely poorly. Again, this seems like we're getting towards the end of our filming, and... You know, this is the best take. She sticks it in that her door doesn't close all the way, and you still see the baby, quote-unquote baby, like sticking out of bottom of the drawer that, or the door that's underneath the sink. She goes and finds a hiding place on top of a toilet, and in pops Terry. And Terry, he's calling for her, but you get kind of a comedic moment uh, in this movie. Karen, can we talk? Karen? Oh, Karen. Are you guys still in there? Hello? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Have you seen Karen? I don't believe you guys. I'd just do it anywhere. Then he goes and takes a piss and doesn't flush the fucking urinal. Flush the fucking urinal. I don't care. There's no such thing as yellow lead it metal and brown flush it down. Especially when you're in a public location. Man, come on. That's ridiculous. And then you don't even fucking wash your hands. I get it. You're killing people. You don't care if there's germs everywhere. But flush the goddamn toilet. Wash your goddamn hands before you go on another fucking killing spree. Well, of course, Karen, she tries to run away. Uh, but she does, you know, get confronted by Terry and Terry swipes at her with the machete and, uh, gets a piece of her arm. Uh, it looks like something flies off, like he took off a chunk of her arm, but I think that's just maybe, I don't know, some type of like cushion or something, maybe when he was going to hit her. Uh, and again, that was the best take that they got. She runs back into the pool area and then we have Todd and he's there with the gun and of course, Terry, he goads him into, oh, you're going to try shooting me again? What, are you going to try and shoot me again, Todd? I'll kill you. I swear I'll kill you. So not only does Todd uh, not fire the gun and Karen ends up trying to fire it and it jams, but Terry starts to do to Todd what he did to him at the beginning of the movie, putting the machete in his hands, wiping his blood on his face, putting the blood on his arms, and this time, this time, Todd fights back. They knock each other into the pool, they fight, the chlorine wipes all the blood off of everybody, and then uh, Karen, she's able to help get Todd out of one side of the pool while Terry gets out on the opposite side. The mom comes in and she's grabbed the gun from B-Rad's office. And when she sees Terry, she shoots at him, shooting him in the stomach and then shooting him in the face, ultimately killing Terry. Then she looks over at Todd, who's now just a wet mess. He's crumpled on the ground and she looks like she's making some type of reconciliation with him. Oh, my baby. Oh, my baby. 
to mommy. Mommy's here. Come to mommy. You're safe. It's okay. You're safe. Oh, I love you so much. I love you so much. I hurt you so much. I'm never gonna hurt you again. No one's ever gonna hurt you again. It's us again. It's us again. It's just us again. No one's ever gonna separate us again. You're my whole life. I don't want to live without you. You're my world. It's safe here. I don't want to be with anybody else. We don't need anybody else. We just need to be with each other. That's all. Oh God, you're such a good boy. You're such a good boy. You're the bestest. You're the bestest of the best. Oh, isn't that sweet? We get a happy ending with this film. You see Karen, she's looking on, and she's getting all choked up seeing them reunited. We see that Maddie, now she, you know, realizes that Terry, he was the bad guy, and she's going to take care of Todd, and she should always have taken care of Todd and taken his side. Should have believed him when, you know, he had told the doctor that everything was going to be, you know... Uh, it was well, not going to be anything, but it was all Terry's fault and everything's going down. And, you know, it's just going to be happily ever after. Or is it? It's just us, Terry. He's gone. Todd is gone. Todd. I'm Todd. I'm Todd. No, no.
and that was Blood Rage. I mean, you kind of saw that coming. Even I fucking called it right there at the inning. Like, when she came in, she was going to kill or kills Terry. And then I was like, she's going to kill herself. Like, I know they're somehow going to work this into there. Uh, there really isn't that much of a twist other than, I guess, if you could say that her killing herself is the twist. And her not realizing that that was terry you know across the way and todd was in front of her and i think the only reason that she even thought that is because when she saw todd for the first time she mistook him for terry and he was okay with that so she thought he was wearing the striped shirt and then when he gets in there and or she gets in there i should say to kill quote unquote todd she recognizes the striped shirt and thinks that that's terry and todd is over there in the gray sweater but honestly, she saw Terry last time in that too. So he managed to change. Like when she saw the bloody robes, was it because she thought that he had killed, like uh, Todd had killed Terry? I, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird. The, the one biggest issue I have with this film is the ending. And it kind of sucks because you leave Todd in this situation again where one, his mom is dead and also, all the other dead people are around there, too, and it, that could be pinned on him. But I guess, you know, if the cops did some things that could probably tie everything back to Terry versus Todd, so maybe he's okay. But when were the cops called as well? Like, did the operator, when she was freaking out, really get the cops to come down there? Who knows? But they're just showing up at the end of the goddamn movie. And so, I, I'm just... It's just so weird. It ends a little weirder than I wanted it to end. Like, I really thought that, you know, maybe the mom would reconcile with Terry, uh, with me, with Todd. See, I did it a fucking again. Uh, and uh, realize that Terry was really the bad apple. I mean, kind of like like the bad son. If you ever watched that movie with Elijah Wood and Macaulay Culkin, where Elijah Wood plays Macaulay Culkin's um, cousin... And uh, he turns out to be the the good one, Elijah Wood, and Macaulay Culkin's the bad one. But everybody believes that Macaulay Culkin's such a good kid, but really he's an evil dick. And that's kind of the way that this is here. Um, you know, there really is no redemption for Todd, and it fucking sucks. Like he's not he's not a well thought out character. He's only in here honestly maybe 15 minutes maybe 10 everything is focused on terry because all of a sudden he's like the moment that he gets triggered because his mom is no longer going to be with him well you know not permanently with him um that he, she's gonna get married and she's gonna have another man in her life just like you know when she was hooking up in the car with that one dude in the beginning and then he had to go out and kill somebody it's like all of a sudden that murderous instinct pushes in like into his brain because he's such a mama's boy. Uh, and that's where the whole Norman Bates like psycho thing goes on with him. He just can't handle the fact that one, he can't have a relationship of his own, but two, this all sets him off. And it really feels like the fact that Todd has escaped, uh, that then gives him a reason to feed back into those instincts. But I still ask the question, do you think that uh, Maddie has let Terry kill before? Like, she says, I can't believe I did this to you. Uh, you know, everything's going to be okay. But what did she do to him? Like, she 
was going to get married and that's the reason why that's where i believe that he's done something like this before to somebody else that she's tried to be in a relationship with and she just let it go and she just put it oh this was still uh todd that was doing all this stuff not my terry because terry's been the good boy and she realized that you know his murderous rage has come out because the fact that he can't just be with mom it can't just be mom and him or he can't have mom all to himself. And I'm not necessarily saying this is an incestuous type of thing, but it's really just a possessive thing with his mom. If I can't have uh, mom to myself, then, you know, I've got to kill them type of thing. It's just a really weird kind of thought process with it. And, and part of me feels that, yes, he has done something more past than what we knew of at the beginning of the film and what we know now at the end of the film, all the people that he killed. But why does he have to go? Because they're always making fun of him or they're reminding him about his brother or it reminds him of his mother. So he kills everybody that's a whore. He kills uh, you know, all the men that are somehow related to it. It, it just, It's just weird, you know? Uh, but overall... I think this movie's great. Um, you know, I I talked a lot of like these are the nitpicky things really for me, but the pacing is fucking excellent in this movie. Never fucking bored. The kills are great. Uh the makeup that they use and the practical effect for everything, it is fucking great for 1984. Uh the only thing I really have a major issue with the ending of the film. That's it. Like I like everything else. I like. I think the acting's bad enough to be really good. Uh, I think that the characters. Uh, I mean, Karen, her acting is atrocious. Everything just comes out at one fucking like. Not I want to say octave, but one like uh, it's kind of robotic. It may be kind of not. Uh, I'm still thinking of the word. Um, but at one level, I, that's the best I can think of right now, to be honest, because uh, I'm recording this really late at night. I know, excuses, excuses. Uh, but it, it's truly just, she's a one-note performance. Everything is just at one tempo, one speed, one inflection, uh, and it's just like that. Again, with the choices for parts of like the wardrobe, the fact that like it seems like none of the women in this movie wear a fucking bra. Um and that, you know, there's reasons for everybody to get naked at some point. Um, though you do get man bun, so, you know, ladies rejoice, man bun. Um, <laughs> but I think it's really enjoyable. Like, I, I don't know. I, I had a smile on my face after I finished watching it. So, overall, what do I give the film? I give the film, in terms of gore, it's a 4 out of 5. Great practical effects, great makeup for its time. Some things are a little cheesy, and a couple of the deaths, I'm kind of like, eh. But I think it looks good for the year that it was made in and the type of film that it was. I wasn't expecting Dr. B to be uh, split in half. I wasn't expecting uh, to see B-Rad get his head split open the moment that he fell on the table. And those look great for the time being. And even the hanging head of Bill, which I felt really bad for, uh, because there's no reason for him and that lady to die, especially when she had a kid. Uh, they like it looked really, really good. And I should say that the male kills get all the extra gory stuff, and the female kills don't get a whole lot of anything. You really don't see much. 
uh, and which is different from a lot of other horror movies that are out there. The crap factor of the movie, it's a 2 out of 5. It, it's got some problems with the script. Like I said, you know, there are things that they do or things that they say that make people seem like liars. Maybe it was shot out of order. Uh, the fact they did that weird voiceover thing, I was expecting that to somehow come back at the end. Like, if they had ended up like this and then Todd, he's put back in a catatonic state because his mother killed himself and then he ends up back in the asylum not being able to talk, then you have the outro with the voice. You have an intro with the voice and an outro with the voice. But instead, that character is killed, so there's no fucking point in having that, to me, other than to explain what's going on. You don't really need it at the beginning of the movie. Um, Then the fun factor on this movie, it's a 4 out of 5. I just really enjoyed it. There were a couple things, like I said, the ending that didn't make it as fun. And, um, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Maddie the mom in general. She just was annoying for the most part of the movie. But everybody else was pretty cool, and it was... uh, you know, well done, cheesy, um, though at times the actor for Terry slash Todd, uh, especially when he was in Terry mode, sounded like he was uh, about to do a Seinfeld bit, you know, what's the deal with cranberry sauce, uh, you know, those type of things, it, it's just, I, I think it's really uh, just a fun film, and, and do I recommend it, yeah, I do, that's why at the beginning I say you really should see it, because the the whole thing with Terry, it's not so much with Todd, but it's a lot of the, uh, you know, like I said, the the facial actions that he does, and just being able to see him in his scenes. And honestly, it's funny because these people are not very smart when it comes to not being killed by this guy. It's that stereotype of dumb teenagers or dumb uh, college kids not knowing when to run. Nobody does in this film, but. Uh, there's so many telltale signs just in the way that Terry looks, the way that his face looks in the scenes and how he smiles and how he changes so fast when, you know, he's called crazy and his family's called crazy. It's really cool. Like, there's some things I think that are missing in this film that would make it an even better movie with some, like, more backstory or, like, a little more of uh, cutaways. Like, we learned if there was something in their past that caused him to be crazy uh, or take a trait or something like that from his father. Which I saw it on, like, uh, you know, I always go through synopsises right before I do this. And I want to point this out with Wikipedia. It says in the beginning the guy is his father, but that's not the case. That's not his father. That's just some random dude that she's hooking up with. Because he's like, I never take a woman with kids anywhere. Uh it's just odd. Um, so, uh, overall, what do I give this film? Overall, this gets four out of five cranberry sauces. Uh, like I said, I just super enjoy this movie. I had so much fun watching it and I had a ton of fun talking about it. Like you can always tell when I really enjoy something because the inflections of my voice, they're a lot higher and everything's just, I feel like I'm smiling the entire time that I'm even doing the podcast now smiling the entire time that I was doing the, the best thing about this is one, it's only 122 minutes and the pacing is perfect. Just when you think things are going to lull a little bit, it just picks right back up and it's worth a watch. Um, I definitely, it is a bad horror movie, but it's definitely one that is so bad. It is fantastic. So, 
Uh, for our next film, I have to give a shout out to the 1000th follower on Twitter. And that happens to be the Order of the Hexagon, you cheeky little bastard. Um, so go and follow uh, at Order of the Hex on Twitter. Check out the website, orderofthehexagon.com. Um, and for all of December, since they were follower number 1000, uh, they're going to get two movies. Because the movie that they picked happens to have two films. Uh, I don't know if there's a third one, but we're only doing two because it is Christmas season. Uh, and originally I had an idea for two other films, uh, and it was going to be sequels. And then this was suggested because I said, Oh, be the thousandth follower and you can suggest something for Christmas. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, this is perfect. Uh, he actually suggested the sequel, but we're going to have to start with the first to even talk about the sequel. And what movie is that? Well, what happens when Frosty the Snowman and a serial killer uh, and, you know, genetic DNA stuff uh, mix together? Why, you get our next movie. One cold night, science and evil collide. Oh, yeah. A serial killer is on the loose. We hadn't even tested the acid on an amoeba, let alone a human cell. This is a disaster. Look, I just saw something that doesn't belong in this world, and it's out there killing my friends. Now tell me what it is. Jack Frost. Cold-blooded, a whole new meaning. Hey, Jack! What? You left the 710 split. Hell has just frozen over. Blow me. Jack Frost. Look, Ma! I'm a Picasso! So that's right. Um, i can completely honest with you guys. I've never seen either of these movies. So this is going to be a treat. They are available both on Amazon Prime. I'm not doing a Halloween 1 and 2 type thing where I'm going to do Jack Frost 1 and Jack Frost 2 in one movie. Uh, but... You know, we're going to do two episodes for December that are going to be Christmas themed, and this is actually perfect. So, first, we're going to have to, before we can talk about his actual choice, which is Jack Frost 2, we're going to have to talk about Jack Frost. So, the first episode of December uh, will be Jack Frost, and then we'll follow it up with Jack Frost 2 uh, right around Christmas. Uh, and so. Look forward to it. Like I said, they're both available on Amazon Prime. I believe you can also find both on YouTube if you really want to watch it that way. Uh, they used to be on Netflix, but now they're they're not. They're available to rent on iTunes, also YouTube. Um, I think you can rent it from Amazon too, but if you have Prime, you don't have to worry about that. So I would definitely check it out. Um, I'm going to be, uh, you know, watching for the first time too. So if you have ideas... Um, 
on what I should look for, out for in the film, please let me know. Uh, but we'll start with, again, Jack Frost, and then we'll move on to Jack Frost too. So, as always, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, T underscore T underscore podcast. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Terrible Terror Podcast. We're available on the Horror Amino app under Terrible Terror Podcast, where I put up a poll as of this recording that will last until Thanksgiving of what is your favorite Thanksgiving movie? We've had a lot of votes, and uh, we'll talk about them uh on the next podcast or I'll, you know, talk about it, um, just kind of in the blog post on horror amino. Uh, I do like the way that app works. It's pretty cool. Uh, and I like reaching a lot of horror fans, which is also really cool at the same time. Um, and then, uh, Instagram, terrible terror podcast. Uh, and if I'm not forgetting anything else, uh, you can always please, again, if you really, if you do like the show, um, you know, beyond just sharing it and telling your friends and, you know, uh, leaving me reviews and comments, you can leave comments on Spreaker, you can leave reviews on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher um, or, um, you know, Blueberry, on any of those sites. I'm not sure if you can do good on, uh, do it on Google Play. Uh, I haven't seen anything that would give me a review on Google Play. Um but it really does help, uh, especially if you rate it on Apple Podcasts. Um, I'd really, really appreciate it. And uh, we've gotten some recent ones, um, you know, that I've really appreciated. I like that you guys, uh, or not like, I should say. I thank you guys very much for, for doing so. Um, uh, as always, uh, also, you know, follow uh, Order of the Hexagon at Order of the Hex. Um, and check out the site. We, you know, I am going to be a part of that site. Uh, you'll see the podcast go up on that site as well. So it's another avenue that you can listen to the podcast. Uh, they're still working on it as of this recording. So eventually we'll get everything up there and maybe it'll look all nice and pretty. But, uh, there's also sections that if you want something reviewed, you can go on there and you can actually leave me a comment. There's a contact form. You can select my name, uh, which is Brian, um, last name Kindle, uh, and then you can give me uh, things that you'd like for me to review. And either, you know, if you are somebody out there that would like me to take a look at your shorts or, you know, music or whatever it is, you can always do that type of request there. Um, you know, it can all be done from the site, and it's really fucking cool. Uh, it's great to be a part of that. I thank Richard, the fear merchant, uh, for inviting me and bring me into that world. So we'll look and see what happens with the next couple weeks. Um, and I think that's, oh, last but not least, there is something I want to tell you guys about because he's been really cool about every fucking episode to give me a shout out. And I think I've already said it before, but once again, uh, he can get it from here. Uh, my friend Ben, who is the Angry Dad podcast, which you can find on Spreaker and iTunes and even YouTube, uh, Beat of the Fourth Power is who he is on Twitter. Um, he runs a really funny, energetic podcast 
talking about everyday things and basically just records them while he's talking or while he's waiting for his kid to get off school uh, to one point that he almost got fucking arrested for that shit because somebody thought that he said he was going to go kill somebody. And if you've ever seen this guy, uh, he is a big intimidating man, uh, but he's one of the coolest cats that I know. Uh, and I think that everybody should go and give that podcast listen. You get a bit of truth, you get a bit of comedy, and you get a bit of uh, one man uh, being a very angry dad. Uh, he has a YouTube channel as well where you can watch him eat a pound of fucking Reese's. Uh, not Reese's Pieces, the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, the little miniatures, I believe. Uh, which is fucking insane. Uh, nobody should be fucking doing that shit. I don't care how good you are to yourself. That is going to cause you to have a heart attack. Uh, but you can watch that. He also did one where he uh, ate all of his kids' Halloween candy, which is pretty goddamn hilarious, uh, as well as one where he detailed when we went to this concert everything he ate for that weekend. Um, you can check it up on there. So... Um, and also, I want you guys, if you guys get a chance, uh, can you, you know, go check out my YouTube channel, which is at Tolbert, uh, T-O-O-L-B-E-R-T, that's YouTube.com slash Tolbert, um, and not for that, like the, there's a couple of videos, and I'd like to do more of these, there's a Terrible Terror podcast section, where there's some mini reviews that are more video reviews, and, uh, you know, there's one I made for The Bride of Chucky, that's like a best of kills, um, I just want some, not some necessary advice, but uh, I know this is rambling and this is going on, but I really want to um, see if there's something I can do in that medium that might be better, um, or some tips uh, on on that stuff. Uh, maybe watch the Hell and Back review, which that's a great little animated movie that I really enjoyed, and I enjoyed doing that little mini. Um, and uh, just give me feedback. I'd really appreciate it. So... Uh, that's it for this episode and me rambling at the end of it. Uh, I honestly thought this was going to be quicker. Uh, but again, uh, I thank everybody for listening that does listen, um, and your continued support, everybody that's out there and, uh, look for a bonus episode to hopefully drop after this one. There's going to be two, one in the middle of December and one next. Um, I just haven't decided which order I'm going to put them in right now. So check it out, uh, when it does drop. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. And don't forget, orderthehexagon.com. Check it out. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.